Have you ever seen a promotion for an industry conference or trade show and really wanted to go, but weren't able to? Maybe you had other projects or priorities. Maybe there were budget or travel limitations. Maybe you were on vacation. It could really be any reason. After the event, you may want to figure out what you missed and learn more from some of the presentations. But there isn't always a great way to do that. So how are you supposed to get the information you need from the conference you missed? Well, luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, we're giving our listeners an overview of what they missed at the recent Outlook conference, which is organized and hosted by Idana. Outlook is the world's premier conference for non-wovens hygiene, personal care, and wipes products, and this year it took place in Malta. And since I couldn't attend, I wanted to get an idea of what I missed and then share that with you. So with the permission of Idana, we reached out to all of the speakers to see if they could share a one to three minute overview of their presentations. While we weren't able to get overviews from every speaker, I know you'll find value from the ones that we were able to collect. And before we begin, I wanted to give a big thank you to my colleague here at Bostic, Christoph Morel. Christoph attended the conference and was nice enough to coordinate with several speakers on site to get their overviews recorded. This episode would have been immensely more difficult to produce without Christoph's help. So thank you, Christoph. We'll start the episode with some words from Robert Ward, who was the keynote speaker for the event. His speech was titled, War, Sanctions, Energy Market Disruptions, and Inflation, The Outlook for the Global Economy in 2023. I'm Robert Ward. Um, I'm Director of Geoeconomics and Strategy at the International Institute for Strategic Studies, IISS. And I gave the uh, opening address at the uh, Edana's uh, Outlook 22 event today. One of the, my key themes, I suppose, was how business become geopolitical and the, the need for businesses to develop their own uh, corporate foreign policy, which will help them better to prepare for and navigate uh, shifting geopolitical uh, sands. I opened with a view of the global economy and clearly 2022 has been tough. 2023 will be a little bit tougher partly because of, uh, particularly in Europe, because of the price of oil and gas and, and, and so on, uh, high inflation, uh, slowing US economy and, and Chinese uh, economy is also not doing as well as it, as it has been. We talked about macro issues, but also I had three questions, three big issues for business that certainly preoccupy me. One was the direction of uh, globalization. This, I think, uh, whatever form globalization will take, it certainly has changed from the uh, and the sort of decade that ran up to the uh, global financial crisis. Uh, so where globalization goes, where uh, international standards goes, because global institutions that control and govern these uh, setting of standards are much weaker, and China has uh, ambitions to be a global uh, standard setter. And then, of course, where non-Western economic statecraft goes, particularly after the reaction of the G7 and others to uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Next, we'll hear from Colin Hanna sharing some details on his speech titled Advancements in Recycling Technology, Opportunities and Challenges for AHPs. My name is Colin Hanna. 
I am Director of Market Research for Price Hanna Consultants, where I will be presenting on the topic of advancements made in plastic recycling and what the most important implications are for non-wovens and the absorbent hygiene products industry. Plastic recycling technology at large has lessons and opportunities to offer to our industry. And while there is growing public skepticism about plastic recycling, need not dismay nor distract from the real progress being made towards a circular economy for polymers and plastic containing products, especially non-wovens and absorbent hygiene products. Our shared future is critically dependent on our sustainability innovation making the most of these opportunities. Our next overview is from Crystal Dendas. Her presentation was titled, Non-Woven in the Transition to Circular Economy. Circular economy is what everyone is talking about. Can circular economy allow us to go back to the 1.5 trajectory? Starting 2024, the sustainability report is becoming mandatory in Europe. It will include one chapter on circular economy. Companies will have soon to report on their circular transformation. How will this work? In an industry that is 60% disposable and using 66% non-renewable, non-regenerated materials, is this even possible? Will everyone come up with the same answer? Of course it is possible. And of course not everyone will have the same answer. Together, we need new technology, but that will not be sufficient. We also need to adopt new business models. We need to reinvent the way we produce and we consume. This paradigm shift of business model is already happening and it will only accelerate. Success stories from other industries can inspire us. Will you belong to those companies that best anticipate the climate resilience? Our next overview is from Dr. Stephanie Schmidt-Schlager. Her presentation was titled, Safe Menstrual Products and Facts About TSS or Toxic Shock Syndrome. Lensing as a wood-based cellulosic fiber producer um, with fibers that are used for hygiene products is definitely going one step ahead with our developments and our research. So we not only investigate how our fibers work in the product, we also want to know what are the, the results furthermore for the consumers of these products. So one of these products is tampons, and therefore we wanted to know a very important thing, which is discussed for more than 30 years now, which is toxic shock syndrome, and the reasons why this toxic shock syndrome um, appears from using tampons or other interretinal menstrual products. Therefore, as we are the raw material producers, so our basis, our focus is really on the product fiber, but not on the, on the biological background that much. We teamed up with a specialist, uh, he, an expert in that field. He is a microbiologist and a doctor um, for medical issues, Professor Lina from University of Lyon. And he is really working a lot on toxic shock syndrome causes, staphylococcus, aureus uh, developments, and so on. And so we asked him whether he would support us in doing this um, big study that we then presented at Outlook 2022 in uh, Malta. The main outcome of this study was to investigate all products, all intervaginal products, and whether there is a certain reason that might enhance the staphylococcus growth. And then because of that, a toxin production, which is the 
actual reason for the toxic shock syndrome. And what we found out was that none of the menstrual products that we investigated and none of the fibers and also materials like um, medical silicon that is used for menstrual cups would trigger the staphylococcus growth or toxin production. And this is a very important message, which correlates also with former work of Professor Lina. And so the, the most important message is that none of the products would really cause the risk, but the most important thing is the time. So exactly what Professor Lina in his previous studies already presented, six to eight hours is absolute the threshold time when toxin is produced, but this also happens without intravaginal menstrual products. So we are very happy to see that we could clarify that our fibers, our products are also safe for menstrual hygiene products. Next, we'll hear from Dr. Edgar Herman, giving an overview of his presentation, The Lab Testing Challenge for Hygiene Products, The Need for Clear Safety and Performance-Related Criteria. I am Edgar Herrmann, the Technical Director of Hightech Hygiene Technologie GmbH, an independent testing lab based in Germany. We are working in the testing of hygiene products over the last 30 years, covering all aspects of performance. In my presentation, I will give you a concise overview about the challenges of testing, especially the dilemma between sound and reasonable test approaches. It's a big challenge to have the right test scenario set for hygiene products. Performance is key for these kind of materials and the expectations of the consumer needs to be secured. Beyond that, safety is an aspect which is coming more and more into the focus. And therefore, I would like to give you a concise approach on the right test scenario and on the right balance between all involved parameters our next overview is from Marta Rocha, who co-presented how the industry prepares for the ISO TC338 standard on menstrual products. My name is Marta Rocha, and I am the Sustainability and Technical Affairs Manager of Edana. So my speech uh, was about the non-woven industry and the single-use menstrual product industry position on the standardization of menstrual product on ISO, highlighting the industry work on safety and consumer communication and what are the next steps and expectations on this ISO standard work. So Edana is the representative of the industry and has co-developed uh, several codes of good practice and voluntary programs to ensure the safety and quality of our products. As the code of practice of tampons ongoing since 1999 in the EU, it includes uh, health-related information regarding menstrual toxic shock syndromes, usage, and appropriate disposal advice. So the ISO work takes time. We can expect the first standard related to menstrual products in, let's say, three years, because we are still getting on the scope. Our priority now is focus on safety. So most probably the first standard will be focusing safety for menstrual products. Our next featured presenter was Lori Schaefer. She presented sustainable materials deliver better care for a better world. And she introduced a really interesting concept that stuck out to me, which she believes is one way we can get to a more sustainable industry. 
I'm Lori Schaefer. I'm the Vice President of Global Nonwovens. It's a division within Kimberly-Clark that makes the nonwovens that go into our brands. I'm excited to have just shared about the global plastics crisis, the fact that we're putting a lot of plastic out into the world and some of it isn't being collected. Actually, about 91% of it is ending up in the environment where it shouldn't be. And when it breaks down, it creates challenges with microplastics that get into our root systems, gets into our bloodstream, breast milk, a lot of data that's coming out that's showing potential links to negative health effects, as well as the environmental impact. And so my call to action today is really that we would come together across the value chain from our equipment manufacturers to our raw material suppliers, branded companies like Kimberly Clark and Procter and Gamble, as well as on the tail end, if you think about the packaging side, to really come together and look at more holistic solutions to address the challenge, because we need to not only focus on the infrastructure, but also on the material and product design to ensure that the two work together as we try to create these regenerative circular systems. And so what I call this is co-opetition. So I would say today we do a little bit of this. We call it open innovation. We have some different partnerships that exist in pockets, like the partnership between Kimberly-Clark and RWDC, as we look at making biodegradable alternatives to polypropylene. But the reality is we're not moving fast enough, and the challenge is incredibly complex. So it's going to require a different level of collaboration, and that's what we call co-opetition. Um, so that could even look like a company like Kimberly Kimberly Clark cooperating with Procter & Gamble to, to solve a, a common hurdle that we have around the infrastructure side, for example. Next, we'll hear from Karsten Saul of Galab, who shared how the Green Deal in the EU will affect the use of chemicals in consumer products. My name is Karsten Saal. I'm a senior manager for product testing at Galab Laboratories. Galab Laboratories works is specialized uh, as an independent contact laboratory uh, for over 20 years for trace analysis for food and consumer products. And I have my presentation about uh, the new NWSP method for hygiene products. In my presentation, I want to point out the importance for the industry to provide an analytical risk assessment for hygiene articles especially for products which are not specific regulated. Generally, the producer is in charge for product safety. In case someone uh, detects some toxic trace chemicals in a product, the consumer and also the authority might interpret the results as an intentionally use of the chemicals in the product. In any case, the producer is in charge to provide the information regarding of the use of the chemical in the product. Additionally, the industry or the producer is in charge to show to the consumer and especially to the authority that the product is still safe to use. This can be only shown by an exposure-based risk assessment for the trace chemicals of request, which normally includes also analytical risk assessment, which is modeling potential pathway of exposure. For example, there are already migration tests for food contact materials available. The new Edana NWSP methods are the first industry approach to implement an analytical migration model for hygiene products. Important goals of these kind of analysis are repeatable robustness and plausibility of the results. That's what I want to show in my presentation. Can you explain what NWSP stands for? NWSP are the non-woven strategic papers of the IDANA. And okay. this uh, is a collection of methods 
These are not only analytical methods, it's also physical testing methods. It's a collection of official methods for the quality assurance for the hygiene products. Okay. So producers and suppliers use these recommended test methods to to test test all different types of products. And um, these three methods, which I describe, and also my colleagues from the IDANA, are completely new, added to the the method collection or summarization, and is the first approach to provide an analytical risk assessment for these kind of hygiene products. Because it's not easy to uh, migrate something which adsorbs normally some liquids. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The last presentation at Outlook featured two speakers, and we were able to speak with both of them. They were Dr. Taryn Kirsch and Marinas Lagmat, and they spoke about the Donna Stewardship Program for Absorbent Hygiene Products and the core of that program, which is the Codex. My name is Dr. Taryn Kirsch, human safety toxicologist at uh, Procter & Gamble for more than 15 years, and my mission is to ensure that uh, industry-wide, all the absorbent hygiene products are seen as safe, recognized as safe, why communication about safety is so important, why also the efforts done by Edana on the stewardship program on Codex are so important because they show what industry does in terms of safety, in terms of ingredient transparency, and which is why we were so fortunate also to to work with ECHA and show them that our products are safe, even if there was a restriction proposal out there that uh, threatened uh, the whole industry. And so I can just summarize that if we all team up together, if we ensure that our products are safe by adhering to the IDANA standards that we have outlined here, I think we are also have good weapons for the future. Not at all. I mean, uh, given all the other upcoming legislations that are out there and also like the European Commission has stated, toxic-free is is the new way to go. That means a lot of work for us to educate and communicate. There will always be chemicals, but that doesn't mean that the products are unsafe. This is Marinis Lagmat, I'm the technical director of uh, Ediana. And I had the pleasure of stepping in a presentation from Taran Kirsch about the stewardship program on AHP, where I presented the uh, Ediana test method approach. I've been moderating many, many meetings, over 50 meetings, trying to get an agreement about how can we test trace chemicals at the best as we can. We agreed on a method that basically consists of three different parts. Part one is the sample preparation, the homogenization. Step two is the extraction, where we paid a lot of attention to figuring out what will be the most appropriate extraction liquid. And step three is about the analytical chemical methods and the reporting of the methods. And just to highlight a few key characteristics of each of these three steps, for the sample preparation, we selected after careful consideration a milling method. We homogenized the full product. And then we have a couple of success criteria to make sure the homogenized sample is representative for the whole product, because that's what's important. The second step I said, we have the extraction. And there the trick was to find an extraction liquid that is consumer relevant. It means it mimics to a certain extent the liquid we absorb. But at the same time, it needs to be robust. So we stepped away from very, yeah, say, complex recipes 
is the risk of adding contaminants in this extraction liquid. We agreed for baby and adult inco on an aqueous solution of saline and urea, and for feminine hygiene on saline and 1% of BSA. Also, the extraction parameters have been clearly described. If you go to the chemical analysis, it's all based on existing methods, nothing new. Everything is described in ISO standards, although many labs, of course, have their own interpretation of those standards. But we are very clear on the LOQs. The LOQs should not exceed 20% of the ADANA Codex limit value. And that is something that guarantees that the results are robust and definitely can be used to demonstrate products are safe. Thank you very much for your attention. I'm curious, so both you and Taryn mentioned the Codex. I'm not sure if everyone knows what the Codex is. Would you be able to briefly explain what that is? The Codex actually is the heart of our stewardship program. The stewardship program was initiated to work, actually it was late 2017 already, but we started working on it in 2018. It was a voluntary initiative to demonstrate to stakeholders that our products are safe, stakeholders including the consumers, because consumers got concerned about publications in magazines in, in France and in Germany, reporting about low levels, but measurable levels of certain trace chemicals in hygiene products. So then we developed this stewardship program with a number of signatories. So all the big converters are part of the initiative. They signed up. Yes, we are going to follow this. The heart of this, of the program, is the so-called codex. And the codex can also be found on our website easily, which is a list of very concrete substances, including their uh, cost numbers. So it's not families. We are very specific about which chemicals are involved. We also provide guidance limits, limits that we have taken from best-in-class standards or regulation where appropriate. And talking about substances and limits, then you need a third step, which is a test method, the test method I just explained. Because if you test in an inappropriate way, you may still find results that still don't make sense. So the codex is the heart of the stewardship program, three parts, substances, guidance limits, and the test method. Before wrapping this episode, we wanted to share some thoughts from the new general manager of Idana, Murat Dogru. He joined Idana back in March and is new to his role and the industry. So his perspective as a newcomer to the industry and the event is really interesting. My name is uh, Murat Dogru. I am the new general manager of Idana. Just a little bit more than seven months ago, I have started my new mission as uh, the general manager of Idana. I have to confess that all my expectations were fulfilled and even beyond fulfillment. So I was really, really pleased and happy to have this first experience at Outlook. I do think that first, the people were really happy to see themselves after more than three years. So that was, I think, uh, one important point. But beyond that, I was really thrilled by, by, I don't know, the content of the session that we have attended, the meetings that I have been able to see all around the conferences, and yeah, all the people came to me sharing their feedback. And I have to say that I was pleased because everything was positive on their side. That doesn't mean, of course, that there's not room for improvement for sure. But it was, of course, great to be able to see that, okay, what we have already is really great. And what we can improve is few things. But, uh, but yeah, the aim is really always to enhance, I would say, the conference edition after edition. 
He then went on to share a bit about the panel he moderated on energy prices and the impact of that on our industry. Yes, indeed. I mean, first, um, of course, we are used to talk about, uh, because it's, it's important for industry, about sustainability, about technology, innovation, about regulatory activities. But there are also sometimes, you know, an elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room right now is the energy crisis that we are facing. So we needed to discuss it, and we need to discuss it in the right way. So the aim was to try to see what we can understand, what we can potentially already point right now, and how can we see this current crisis with a, a positive angle, if it's possible at this stage. So this is why the point was really to have um, different key players from the value chain and asking them what they have learned so far, what they foresee, and what could be the, the future of this uh, situation. Some of the key outcome, for me at least, what resonates into my ears was First, energy was at a, let's face it, at a cheap price. Uh, and the people were not necessarily paying attention in, in regards to how they were consuming energy. And it was interesting to see that some players have been able to, to a certain extent, maintain their cost because they have just reviewed the way that they were consuming energy. So that was something, I think, which is also touching the sustainability objective of some of our industries. And for for some other people, it was also good to see maybe we should also reconsider how some of the high engineered products like diapers are used by the end consumer. Do we really have to change so often? You know, it could be also used in a different way. So I do think that there are some key uh, outcome of it. Of course, not, not all, all the things were positive. They are also real big concerns. But the aim was really to try to see what could be the, hopefully, the, the good things that we can see from it and, uh, and to try to assess what will be the impact for the future. He closed by sharing where the next Outlook conference will be and then shared some thoughts on not only trying to attract younger job seekers to the industry and to the conference, but also possibly having product consumers attend future conferences. So it's going to be in Algarve in Portugal in a year time in October. And we are aiming, of course, to again to uh, cover the sensitive topic of our industry, but also potentially to, I don't know why, but potentially open our eyes to the external world. Maybe, you know, learn from the other industries what they have been doing so far and, uh, and what they have learned. And also, why not, I don't know, try to bring a younger generation. You know, I, I can see that a lot of people are complaining because, you know, recruitment of new talents is becoming harder and harder. So instead of us trying to bring them, why not allowing them to speak about who they are, trying to understand them better? So I don't know. It's just a few ideas at this stage, but uh, further for thoughts. So we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. Indeed, indeed. And of course, the challenge is to how we can bring the consumers here and then for them to see the value. But there are also associations representing consumers. And so this is the aim, just to, um, to maybe bring an uh, organization that we have not been used to do and to show them, you know, what we are doing, how, how we are taking care, basically, of this product, how we basically try to produce better and better in a better way by taking, you know, key elements into consideration. And so, yes, I think it was a good idea. And this is also something that we'll consider for the future. So there you have it. I hope you found those overviews from the Outlook presentations valuable. If you'd like us to interview any of the speakers in a longer episode so they can share more of the insights from their presentations, we have included a poll in the show notes where you can vote on the presentations and topics that you'd like to hear in more detail. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you to all of our guests today. They are, in order, Robert Ward, Colin Hanna, Crystal Dendas, 
Dr. Stephanie Schmidt-Schlager, Dr. Edgar Herman, Marta Roche, Lori Schaefer, Karsten Saul, Dr. Taryn Kirsch, Marinus Lagmop, and Murat Dobru. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I want to send a special thank you to Christoph Morell for all his help in collecting these interviews. I've linked to all of their LinkedIn pages, as well as the Outlook website where you can find more info on their talks. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.